Hello and welcome to The Coolest Kids. I'm your host, Terrence Wiggins, and with me is your other host... Brock Wilbur, who's wearing headphones this week, so it doesn't sound like Terrence is in an echo chamber. <laughs> I, was, I was like, this edit, I was editing the last episode, I was like, this is going to be... Like, I, I did my best uh, with my rudimentary uh, audio editing knowledge, um, <laughs> but I don't know, it's just going to be a weird episode. It, it, it already was, and I think I, I had yeah. such a weird paranoia about fucking something up on that episode, because I was like, we'll never be able to re-record that. <laughs> we could never capture the magic in the bottle that is running out of something to say almost immediately. Right. Uh, that's why I didn't want to re-record it, because I was just like, man, there's some solid gold in here, and <laughs> I don't want to do it over again, because it wouldn't be the same. Um, excuse me. Uh... But this week, this we're we're all better now, um, and we actually have something to say because uh, we're covering at the drives in at the drives in at the drive ins relationship of command. I feel like we've accidentally set it up too much now, and now it's just going to fall apart in front of our eyes. <laughs> just immediately, um, I really like this album like a whole lot. It's one of the first albums that I heard that was different. Yes, <laughs> like. I, I don't know how to describe like I don't feel like it fits under any strict genre definition yeah it's... And, and that was one of the things that like when somebody was like oh that man's emo I was like you're wrong wait what <laughs> how is that that's not what I would call I, I was like Weezer that's emo what what is at the drive-in have to do with that there isn't a distinct human emotion uh, spoken about in this entire album yeah no uh none of the there's like very few songs in this uh album that make any sort of sense um <laughs> like uh um what is it uh one arm scissors about the russian cosmonauts i think yep um and then like enfilade is about a woman getting her daughter back and then with, the rest with of Iggy them, Pop doing all the spooky stuff. Yeah, I just looked that up. I was just like, "Wait, what?" Yeah, <laughs> like the, I was like, like I clicked on when it said it in the Wikipedia article. I was like, "Like Iggy Pop, Iggy Pop." <laughs> no, just our, our, Pop our friend Iggy Pop. He's he's a different guy. <laughs> it's like, is there another? Is there another Iggy Pop that I don't know about that was on, uh, on the At the Drive-In album? Um, I mean, even even saying the song titles is nearly impossible. Like invalid litter department, mm-hmm. which I've always called invalid leader depot. Like I, <laughs> even just looking at them now, I'm like, this is this is weird. <laughs> yeah, it has. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It, it, it has a, a first track that I feel like we've referenced more than we've referenced the band. Like mm-hmm. uh, our our standard for uh, emo in this period is like, does it have an arc arsenal? Like opening doesn't right. start with like just a badass riff. Yeah, I was gonna say this that opening trick just like punches you in the stomach and keeps moving. Um and it's yeah, I, I listened to the like I listened to, I didn't listen to the album all the way through again mm-hmm. because I've heard it. I mean the album came out in two thousand, so I've heard it I I don't know, two thousand times. Um but like it it kind of keeps going until it gets to about like the fifth track and it slows down but like at the end of the fifth track like i don't i don't know what happens it sounds like somebody's having a bad day after (laughs) like 
because like the the fifth track is uh is kind of somber. Um, I believe it's the fifth track. Is it fifth track or fourth track? Fifth. Uh, is it invalid? Yeah. Yeah, invalid. Uh, litter department. Um, it has. It's like it's slower. Like it still fits with the rest of the album, but like you have like a minute left in the track and it turns into a completely different song. And so it just kind of sounds like a man like who just came from a funeral. Like the first half of the songs or not even the first half, but the first like three fourths of the song sounds like a a man coming from after giving a eulogy at a funeral (laughs) to like getting rip roaring drunk and yelling at everybody. Now, how much of their earlier stuff have you listened to? I've listened to it. Like, I haven't <laughs> ever really dug into it. But it doesn't... Like, I, I might, it might just be just because it's not um, produced as well. Right. But it doesn't have the same, I guess, at-the-drive-in-ness to it. Yeah, there's, there's the a lot of stuff that you're like, this is just like the guitar is out of tune or something. Or like, yeah. it's just so weak. And then you have this Ross Robinson production on this. Who, for people that don't know, he produced most of the albums that we're going to talk about on the show, but he also created, like, corn and Limp biscuit sounds and things like that. That uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I've... Like, I, I was listening to... They even put two more tracks on, like, they had a re-release a few years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, and they put two more tracks on the Spotify version, and I'd never heard those before, and even those weren't as... Um, solid as the rest of this album is yeah um because this i'm looking at the wikipedia article and it says that this album is post is a post hardcore album and even then i'm just like "Mm, maybe (laughs) kind of but it doesn't i'll give it that 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 enfilade definitely has the most post hardcore melodica solo i've ever heard (laughs) <laughs> uh that's what that's what makes it such a weird album is that there's a, just a bunch of stuff in it like it's almost like a reggie in the full effect album where it just has it like everything you could throw at it but it somehow fits all together I, I i often think of the production on this one like as a as a much uh uh, with the sort of kitchen sink mentality of instruments, including, you know, layers of stuff on there. It, it, it reminds me of the Unicorns album. Mm-hmm. It's just like, what if we also threw a piano here? And look, no one's going to play that on stage, but that's fine. Right. And then, yeah. But they still do the melodica solo. So that, that's something <laughs> that I get to see live. <laughs> How were you introduced um, to At The Drive-In? My brother, he bought the album... Um, that, that, that's who I discovered most of my music through when I was like 13. Mm. Uh, my brother bought the album and I heard it and I didn't know what was going on. Um, because like he, he bought like other stuff. Like I remember him buying uh, the Juliana Theory and Midtown and like uh, and uh, Hot Rod Circuit and stuff like that. Um, but nothing else sounded like the whatever this is. Because like I keep saying, like this album, it's, I don't want to say weird. <laughs> because I feel like that gives it a um, a sort of descriptor that I don't want to assign to it. Right. But it's a unique, like, like I said, it's they, they describe it as post-hardcore, but, like, I listen to a lot of post-hardcore, and this doesn't, like, doesn't sound like Thursday or Thrice or, uh-huh. or, or any of those bands. It sounds like, 
I don't. And part of that's always so weird <laughs> to try and pin down because it's about you know, this is a non-white band in a white space made up yes. of people from different countries, and at the core of it, there is also a white band. And when the and when they later break up, you can see those elements separated into Sparta oh, and the Mars yeah. Volta, and you're Definitely. like, oh yeah, there's there it's it's this Austin or El Paso uh, group, yeah. and and they're blending these genres, but like uh, it's the 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 form it takes is not what you would assume the blend of those genres to be it seems more as if they're they're distilling uh emotions or energies from these these different places and then reconfiguring them within this because this has a sort of it has a drive to it that i i, I think one of the reasons i keep coming back to this album and like went to record store day a few years ago to make sure i got it on vinyl uh mm. is that like this is one of the few albums that I can point to and uh, I can get fun angry with this. Yes. Like, and there's so few things, especially from this time period that I don't uh, return to. And I'm like, that doesn't speak to me anymore. There's never not a time that at the drive-in won't make your adrenaline just rush through your veins. But also there's, there's no, I'm going to fuck you up sort of like fight song shit. There's no Papa Rochi like right. sadness about anything. There's no, right. there's no, I can't believe this girl rejected me. It's, it's a lot of weird poetic nonsense. That's fun to shout. Uh, yes. And just a ton um, of cool breakdowns. <laughs> yes, definitely. Uh, when you're talking about t- uh, shouting, like invalid litter department, like when I was talking about him screaming like that, it's like that. There's just such a raw, like emotion to that, but it's not like a, it's not like a, a traditional, like post hardcore screaming. It's just this like, primal just like it just sounds like it just came out of him instead of like when they wrote the song it sounded like that scream wasn't a part of it it sounded like he just didn't know he didn't have any more words to come out of him so he just started screaming (laughs) and i and i did not know until having finally seen them live just how much of it is like a 50 50 split between him and like the sparta vocalist uh, uh, Jim Ward. Yeah, like they're and they're. I was like, oh, they're weird. their screams are the same scream, and that's why it's so it's impossible to tell apart on the album. But yeah, they have a, such yeah. a back and forth on that. I didn't even know that. Yeah, it, it really raised my appreciation of Jim Ward. I was like, oh, so many of these screams were your screams. <laughs> uh, which one? I didn't know that, but he like I I had found like I listened to Sparta. I had um, uh, I really like Wiretap Scars. Um, it's a great album, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, and you can definitely hear because Wiretap Scars came out in 2002 and it was right after At the Drive-In. It was like a year or two after At the Drive-In broke up. And like, if you listen to the first uh, Mars Volta and you listen to the first Sparta, you can definitely, you said it yourself, you can definitely hear where the band splits at. Like, right. It's really weird. Like, And so many of my favorite bands are that, like, the, we'll do an episode at some point talking about Death from Above. 1979 mm-hmm. but when those guys break up uh one of them goes back to electronic music and the other one goes back to punk drumming and neither is that interesting to me but a, <laughs> a dance rock group that uh, their ideas blended together is so much better and and that was what i was worried about when at the drive-in broke up and then i remember getting wiretap scars and being like boy what are those other two doofuses gonna do that stands up to this and they're like what if we reinvented sound it's like okay no right. okay you you changed the game never mind Right. Um, uh, Jim Ward, he, I, I had, uh, cause I'd listened to, like I said, I listened to Sparta and then, um, he had a EP, like a solo acoustic EP come out. Huh. Um, 
and I really like it's like this folky EP and it's amazing like it he doesn't sing like he does uh for like Sparta and, Mar- and um at the drive-in but like his he has like a voice like he, it's 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 nice like it, have you ever heard uh Matt Pond you ever heard yeah. Matt Pond PA PA yeah it kind of has a it kind of has that sort of feeling to it that makes a lot of um, sense <laughs> yeah it's really good um well I know it's an EP um but it oh quiet yeah quiet is the ep that's the name of the ep it that's came a out great in name seven <laughs> um and it's really it's uh, really good it's only five songs and like you kind of get in and out it's a nice like it's just a nice album like i feel that's why i feel like with a lot of um or at least with this album and like anything these other guys have done well, I've like I only listened to the first Mars Volta. That's um, that's a good call. But... Getting in before Omar <laughs> Rodriguez Lopez starts doing like eighteen albums in a year is is just the right call. I, to re- make. Like, I, re- I remember that happening. I was just like, because uh, I never got into the Mars Volta until maybe like four years ago. Uh-huh. Um, and I because I had a friend who uh, who told me to told me to listen to them. Um, it was like a friend whose opinion I trusted, so I was like, okay, I'll go ahead and check this band out um <laughs> and i like the album and then i remember I, I but i just remember like i remember seeing commercials for one of the um one of the uh at the or not uh, one of the mars volta albums like i, I remember seeing like it was a lot of, like uh, adult swim one of their commercial breaks was like advertising um uh, a Mars Volta album. Oh, uh, Bedlam and Goliath. I remember seeing this on Adult Swim. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and, and like I just remember like I remember they had like an album like every year for like five years. It mm-hmm. felt like, um, which apparently I'm not wrong because uh, they did have like an album like every year for like five years. Um, but uh, it's it's uh, I don't even remember what I was saying before this. That's how the Mars Volta works. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, if you talk long enough, you'll forget that this album is based on a diary that they stole from a burned down asylum museum in Spain. Like every every album that they do, they they later explain like it was stolen from a diary hidden in a ghost somewhere. And you're like, come on, you you nothing you've ever written has made sense. It's fine. But I do remember that Adult Swim ad because it was so weird because they are having to pick out like 15 seconds from an from a Mars Volta album to share with the world to represent right. that album. And you just like, got like a, a squeak and a trumpet and then some weird drum roll and it was done. I was like, sure, that's fine. <laughs> okay, why not? Um... I'm gonna look up some of the lyrics to at the drive-in because I do know some of the songs, but also like he kind of gets so screamy at certain parts where uh, it just kind of comes out as I don't know, screaming. I, yeah, like, like um, you get to stuff like Rolodex propaganda and like manuscript replica, and it's just <laughs> like <laughs> it's like this. Uh, it's like this David Byrne esque like nonsense where you're just like well while david byrne made sense to an extent there's also it's like it's like if david byrne grew up in like like new jersey yeah in like the in like 1995 and then those are the bands he listened to and then he went on to make music that's the best way i can describe <laughs> this band i guess it's actually pretty good and if he was um, real mad at his mom <laughs> if he's real mad at his mom um 
Yeah, I'm looking at like looking at the the uh, the lyrics to Arc Arsenal, and it it doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh-huh. Like, uh, let's see. Um, oh, apparently it's rumored to be about Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> sure, why not? Uh, I mean, I guess the last the last lines in the song are. Uh, have you ever tasted tasted skin? And uh, sick and thirst, sick and thirst, sick and together. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, I guess. And so much of this I've memorized as like sounds, but like even when I yes. was in a band and we went to cover One Arm Scissor, I realized I don't actually know any of the words. Like I can <laughs> sing the entire song, but those aren't those aren't even the words of the song. Like right. getting into it, I was like, "What? What is some of this?" And Arc Arsenal is, of, of course, that because you 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 kind of get the sink your teeth in, like the, the you you just know what the screams sound like, but that does not coordinate to words because the words don't coordinate to anything else. <laughs> right. Uh, I remember they put a one arm scissor on Rock Band Three, I think it was, and I remember uh, my friend picking it up and we were playing it. And uh, I remember singing it, and I was just like, "These aren't the like with the rock band." It, if you've ever played rock band, it uh, like it tracks your vocals by like how how on pitch you are. And I was just like, "There's no pitch in at the drive-in." Like, <laughs> like there's nothing. Like I don't know how to stay on pitch with this not pitch song. Like, what do you? What key what are you is judging? revolution in? <laughs> But what do you what are you judging right now? What who's who are you hearing? Like, did you auto tune this so you could get a pitch out of it? Because like, there is he does sing. He has a good singing voice. Mm-hmm. But look, it's so caught up between shouting that it doesn't. It's not <laughs> like it's you can't. <laughs> There's also the part of, of, like, my introduction to this band was that uh, guys I was in a band with were like, uh, they saw them on a tour and they were like, you gotta see, they just beat the shit out of each other on stage. Uh, The lead singer, like, at one point tied a cable around his neck and threw a keyboard and it turned out the cable was connected to the keyboard so there was like a four second delay and then it just jerked him violently by the neck across the stage uh, to the ground. Uh, and, Uh And I was like, this what was the the thing that went on tour in the 90s like the jim jones freak show or something that they would take to the like weird circus acting stuff like this is what it sounded like i was like why would wait why would they just just beat the shit out of each other on stage that doesn't sound like the best to me and then i saw their uh their letterman performance which is their one and only television performance ever uh, where uh, it starts off with the lead singer punching the ground, and then after they finish the set, they start trashing their stuff, and then they proceed to go back and trash the dressing room, uh, getting getting uninvited from television forever. I think it was right before they broke up. Uh, I was going to say, why would you... Like, did Dave, did Dave Letterman hear uh, this band before? <laughs> and so when there like, was that... That's not the... <laughs> Yeah, you, Dave doesn't come to shake their hands. Uh, there's a, So then when they split into these two bands, I would see Sparta, and it just seemed like some quiet, nice boys. And every yeah. time I see the Mars Volta, they're just the biggest assholes in the world. I've seen them shut down yeah. two concerts halfway in. Uh, I saw him throw uh, like hot 
T on a on like a PA one night, like at an assistant, because he was mad oh. about the flavor of the tea he was drinking on stage. Like it was it, just all this bullshit that I was like, you know what? These are these are the last couple of rock stars left that are that are pricks like this. And <laughs> and then when at the drive-in uh, got back together this year, and I went to see them here in LA, uh, between every song, the lead singer was like thanking the kids that had been standing at the front of the stage waiting all day the longest like every every between song thing was just a real pleasant nice thank you i was like oh <laughs> like is this part of the deal like we'll get the band back together but you can't be you you've got to be like a nice like i wonder person. if he like grew up somewhere in between there I, I i hope so because they did they got such a reputation for like a couple of years and they're around like the second third album of just like he's storming off stage or I, I saw him throw a mic stand at somebody. Like, I think I only saw them like three times, but I feel like I have five different shows worth of shitty memories <laughs> of them. And I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> uh, I had to look up this Jim Jones. It was actually Jim Rose circus right. sideshow. <laughs> I had to look this up just because I was like, what the fuck? It's one of those about? things that like, I, if I had an older brother, I feel like he would have been into that sort of thing, uh, which which kind of ties back into something that happened on Twitter earlier, where uh, uh, Holly uh, brought up your uh, Simpsons, um, your Simpsons articles for uh, Polygon you did, and apparently that episode where Homer goes uh, joins the circus, the sideshow at uh, Lollapalooza, was the Jim Rose Circus. Yes, where Homer gets, and it was, yeah, but apparently it's still going. Really. Yeah, like it's it still happens. Does it just happen at Lollapalooza? The two seem inextricably linked. <laughs> uh, I, like uh, this, like I'm looking at this website. This website looks like it hasn't been updated since like 2003. <laughs> but like, there's a picture of Jim Rose and David Bowie, and Jim Rose and Marilyn Manson, uh, and Jim Rose and Bette Midler. Like, I don't. What did you tell me about? What is this? Uh, 1994, the Jim Rose Circus was chosen to tour with Nine Inch Nails. Pop will eat itself and then unknown Marilyn Manson and later with Corn and Godsmack. That is a lineup. Mm -hmm. um, 1998 saw another world tour featuring female sumo wrestling, Mexican transvestite wrestling, and chainsaw football. Mexican transvestite wrestling feels like it's the name of a song that would be on this album. <laughs> in, in 2000, it was fine to say all those words. <laughs> right. Um, what, did you, what did you show me? Did you tell me? <laughs> I, I love how angry this has made you. Oh, this is, this is the most white people shit I could possibly. <laughs> yeah, like reading that lineup, uh, Nine Inch Nail, I don't know who Pop Will Eat Myself is. Uh, Marilyn Manson, Corn, and Godsmack is just like, hey, uh, middle school, middle school white kids. Yep. It it, oh, it it is a freak show that deliberately I think was there to scare parents, and that was the line in. This is upsetting. <laughs> I'm just like falling down further. I'm sorry, we already got <laughs> off track, but like I'm just falling down further. I'm like, who is Pop will eat myself? And it's just like some industrial rock band and they play Grebo. And I was like, what the fuck is Grebo? G R E B O or Grebo rock. Like that helps, uh, was a short lived subgenre of alternative rock. The incorporated influence of punk rock, electronica, dance music, hip hop, hip hop, and psychedelia. I was, I was on board for 
punk rock and electronic dance music and then you add in hip hop and psychedelia and I don't have time for it. Um, <laughs> the scene occupied the period in the late 80s and early 90s in the United Kingdom for, for the popularization of Britpop and grunge. <laughs> I'm s- Britain, get your shit together. I can't imagine what British hip hop sounded like in 1989 that wasn't Wham Rap. You ever heard that song? Yes. Yeah. I'm so upset right now. (laughs) Did the streets have an older brother? (laughs) (sighs) Why did you tell me? Why did you tell me about this? I'm, this is going to be my entire life now. Hunting this man down and like punching him in the face. <laughs> I mean, why not? We got to focus on something. <laughs> Fat Matt Aladane billed as the world's fattest contortionist. <laughs> Get, getting to hear out loud every hundredth word you read <laughs> as you fall down this <laughs> roll. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, like the what? <laughs> like, why was he? What is he? Why he was a wrestler? Like <laughs> this was well after he was not a wrestler anymore. It's <sighs> your Wikipedia wormholes on this show are great, but the partial Wikipedia wormholes due to overwhelming frustration <laughs> are, I think, our signature bit. The Enigma. Paul Lawrence, originally known as Slug, was billed as a man who could eat anything, including slugs, worms, and grasshoppers, and swallow a variety of swords. He also doubled as the show's organ player. His body is completely tattooed with blue jigsaw puzzle pieces. He left the show in 1998 and has toured since, appearing in such acts as the Human Marvels and most recently, the Show Devils. Why are freak shows still happening? Like, what year is this? Also, I appreciate like, that in traditional freak show format, he had four jobs. <laughs> I'll eat bugs, sure. I'll swallow swords, absolutely. I play a mean organ. Get me a B3, my man. <laughs> uh, Matt the Tube Crowley, whose moniker came from the seven feet of tubing that he that would he would swallow. The other than the tube was attached to a crude hand pump. Rose himself would fill the pump with a variety of fluids and proceed to pump it into Crowley's stomach, then back out again. <laughs> Audience, <laughs> I'm going to read you this next sentence, oh, no. and then we're all going to take a nap. <laughs> Audience members were invited on stage to drink the vodka concoction after it had been extracted from Crowley. He would also provide a demonstration of sheer lung power by blowing out a hot water bottle with his mouth until it burst. A hot, a hot water bottle? Oh, okay, okay, sorry. I'm I, I, yes. I was imagining like just a plastic the... bottle. I was like, I don't... Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> uh, but... Why are freak shows still happening in 2017? <coughs> like, like that... What? What is that, what is that old uh, black and white movie? Freaks? Is that what it's yes. called? Todd Browning's uh, Freaks. When did that come out? <coughs> uh, like the 40s or whatever? Uh... Why, why is it came out in 1932? I was uh, going to say 32, think, but I was worried I was going to get it wrong. And <laughs> uh, you would think that after that movie came out, people would be like, okay, we're good. Yeah. But no, there are still people who are just like, ah, that person's got weird stuff. We should go and see, pay money to watch this man uh, pump fluids into his stomach. 
The 2017 well, aspect of it seems even weirder because this all of this would make sense if, if there was a YouTube video. Like, just do it the one time and everyone right. sees the video of you pumping the stuff out. But to do it every day uh, in a different city, uh, that's fascinating. Right. Like, I don't know, this, this is both simultaneously the most, like, early 1900s and mid-90s shit that's ever happened. <laughs> um... Apparently, Jim Rose voiced the character of Simon Stark in the game's SSX Tricky in Sledstorm. Uh, Simon is spelled P-S-Y-M-O-N. Like he's like he's psycho. Good. good. I, I remember I remember that video game. I remember that man. <laughs> I remember him in that video game. Um <laughs> I need. We have to go back to talking about at the drive-in because I t- I don't want this anymore. I'm, I also I'm glad I remembered it is the Jim Jones Road Show. That's a significantly shorter tour. <laughs> I was like I was like, wait, isn't Jim Jones the old? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, he's a cult cult leader. Yeah, he's the Kool Aid yeah, guy. Like, <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. I was like, I, there's a lot of cult leaders, and I don't. <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that really went on the road. Um, <laughs> Robert Zadar, I'd never really seen a picture of Jim Jones, but Robert Zadar could have played him in a biopic. That's pretty dead on. <laughs> never, never thought about that. Uh, anyway, um, another tangent, real quick. Do you remember uh, the um, uh, what was the one in the mid '90s about the comet, the Heaven's Gate? Hale Bop. I was just going to bring Hale-Bop. up those guys. Yeah. I remember, I've, I distinctly remember seeing, like, they would report on that every night. Like, they were like, there's a comet coming, and there's also a cult talking about it. And there would just be, like, this crazy old white guy. He was like, everybody's gonna die unless you, like, if you go, you can get on the comet and go to space. And if you look behind the comet, you can see a spaceship. And I'm just like, I was like, I don't know, probably eight years old at the time, and it scared the shit out of me. And I was just like, Comet's gonna kill everybody, and these guys are gonna get on a spaceship and go and do another thing somewhere else in the galaxy. But then, like a week later, I was like, "Oh, nothing happened. That was stupid." I have I have sent you a link to their actual website that is still up. Uh, oh, buddy! And uh, I oh man! I I welcome you into this. I feel like I feel like we keep going on tangents on this episode, but it makes sense. Because this album is pretty much just tangents. Yeah. Uh, this website. <laughs> it's GeoCities as hell. <laughs> yeah. Like, can you still, like, the, there's a, there's a, uh, ooh. The transcripts of videotapes one and two can be viewed online, downloaded, or requested through Telos services. Hard <laughs> copies of the book may be ordered through Telos services for $45 US. Do not do not mail that money. Uh, there is no one there to answer that request. I love that. I love that on their links here. This is how old the website is. There's a link to top of this homepage. Back when it was real hard to get to the top of a webpage. <laughs> a, the the thing that stays with me the most about Heaven's Gate was that on a Saturday Saturday Night Live that week, they uh-huh. they had a fake ad uh, as one of their jokes. It was just uh, 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 the Beatles Revolution played over shots of all the dead cultists and at the end it had the nike swoosh because they were all wearing nikes <laughs> and i remember as a kid being like i think that's the darkest joke i'll ever see <laughs> right um, oh and the just do it tagline 
<laughs> oh man, um, who's who's paying for this website? I don't. I don't think you used to. Back before hosting, hosting was free. <laughs> I guess, but like, what? Is, who's like? What is it? What is it? Right? Who has this? Who like owns this website now? Who does? What? Who has this website? Oh, somebody definitely does because I'm. I, I clicked on the the privacy concern sections, uh, and they have their their PGP public key block and stuff. Like, so somebody must be updating this still. How do you even update? Like this is just definitely an HTML file on somebody's on somebody's laptop, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, who's <laughs> one arm scissor? That's what. This, <laughs> that's what this. That, that is your most what, successful tieback in of all time. <laughs> that, that's why, like, like I said, like. All of this, all the rants, I feel feel like I feel, ties in very well to this album because this album is nonsense, but it's really good nonsense because like, like you can kind of hear some things here and there, um, but then like also I kind of feel like the album, like the last two tracks of the album are a lot are a lot slower, um, or at least not even the last track, um, the last two tracks are kind of slower. I'm not really into them as much as the rest of the album. Um, and a lot of their and a lot of their previous stuff had been a lot more like those. Like there was yeah. energetic stuff, but they really liked two clean guitars, sort of doing like a, a harmony off each other at a medium pace. <laughs> yeah, which um, felt different from, like I said, felt different from the red, uh, the uh, the rest of the album. Um, and. Uh, eh, I've 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 made the terrible mistake in in pulling up the genius webpage for some of this lyric stuff, and uh, the user five bank accounts three ounces two vehicles that's his name one one mm-hmm. one word. Uh, of course it is. I it was not until we started doing this podcast that I started using Genius uh, to look up some of these uh, annotations that people add, and on the line temper temper temperature, which is very clearly just him making a sound that he enjoys. The, mm-hmm. the 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 uh, the annotation says a reference to an event in the Cold War or perhaps to anger and heat. The anger and heat interpretation would fit with a lynching and a burning. I was just like, you just said the word temperature. Where are you getting any of this? Everyone, everyone who ever writes anything on Genius is the biggest idiot ever. Three, like all three lines just earlier, like, the lyric "pinch me in my dreams," and he explains this person needs to be woken from sleep. <laughs> like Jesus Christ, did you think that you cracked the code on that one? Right. Um look, it's all, like all every every comment on a on a on a song on uh Genius is like the word does of commonly used word in the English language and you can find it in many books and a manuscript replica, a manuscript is traditionally a handwritten document. <laughs> this song this song might actually be about uh, somebody cheating on a college paper because they they replicated a paper and turned it in. Oh my god, I love your genius voice so very much. <laughs> this is this is this is the only character on our show now. <laughs> uh, sorry, I was looking at the Marshall Applewhite uh, Wikipedia page. The guy who's guy who's in charge of uh, of the Heaven's Gate cult. Yeah, and I came across something called Muggletonianism. No. 
No, come on. Uh, Read one other Mugg- book. <laughs> the Mugg- <laughs> the Muggletonians, named after Lodowick Muggleton, were a small Protestant Christian movement which began in 1651. Um, but it, I just thought Muggletonianism uh, was a word that needed to be said out loud by one of us. Uh, Their Wikipedia describes Heaven's Gate as a uh, American UFO religious millenarian group. And uh, mm-hmm. I like that that's the original millennials. Mo- <laughs> millenarians. <laughs> only mo- they're, only they're, millenarians will remember committing mass suicide. <laughs> <laughs> they're the ones that came from space uh, to seed to seed the earth for the millennials to grow. <laughs> oh my god. What was that, what was that movie? Uh, Red Planet? fuck is it yes movie about mars the movie sucked <laughs> is that um, the one where the robot turns evil i don't fucking remember there's a there's um, a couple of strapped on mars movies <laughs> yeah i think red planet was the one at the end they go they find like some temple or whatever and like it tells like oh they actually came yeah red planet is the one um i think i don't, I don't it might not be red planet um there's also but there was 20 a few. different movies and things called Red Planet. <laughs> yeah, um, I remember Red Planet is the one with Val Kilmer. Um, it was a critical and commercial failure. Um, but I just remember there was a few movies that came out around the same time uh, that were just like, this is on Mars. Um, there was uh, Ghost of Mars with, um, what's his name? Ice Cube? Yes. Uh, uh, which was, which is uh, set in the which uh, John Carpenter sets it in a future uh, that is uh, uh, a women led society where mm-hmm. where men are the second class mm-hmm. uh, and it never really comes up again after the opening and I'm like how do you bungle never comment that? on that <laughs> it's 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 literally the only sci fi movie I've ever seen it in there was um, what's that movie with. Uh... Comedian, he's got a weird face. We're off to a good start here. Uh, <laughs> he was on Mad TV. Will Sasso? Uh, no, he's a tall, skinny guy. Oh, uh, McDonald. <laughs> no. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna find it because I, I, his name is like right on the tip of my tongue, and I know what he looks like, but I can't. <sighs> is he on the Mindy Project? No, I, re- I the, <laughs> this is really stupid, but I remember uh, there was an episode of My Brother, My Brother and Me where Griffin talks about this joke that he always said when he was a kid. And he said and it turns out that he stole it from that movie. And I can't remember what this movie is called. Harlan Williams. Was he on uh, Mad TV? He was he was on like the first seasons of Mad TV. Uh, I want to, I'm pretty sure he was, um, maybe he wasn't, maybe I'm going crazy. Because uh, you could be thinking of Michael McDonald who has the exact same face, just a little less derpy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he, I swear he was on Mad. I swear he was on Mad TV, uh, like as a guest or something. <laughs> um, I might be, I might be wrong. It doesn't matter, but he was in a movie. And Rocket it was Man called Rocket Man. <laughs> and it was about them going to Mars. Yes. Uh, and it, it, like it all came out in the same time as like all these other movies of going to Mars. Um, <laughs> and now this pet, now this uh, this uh, story has no 
point to it anymore because I found out what I was talking about. And now uh, it's done. It's a bad story. <laughs> what? It's a bad story. What just happened? I lost the thread. <laughs> I lost the thread of why I was even looking that up. And then once I got to, once I got to the end, like it was like uh, it was like that episode of The Simpsons where uh, they think they're going to the fireworks factory, and they just ended up at the box factory. Yes, that's what ha- that's what just happened. Welcome to the box factory. That's our Welcome new to out. The box factory. <laughs> Wait, are they going to the fireworks? No, Bart. No, I'm getting things mixed up. Bart wanted to go to the Bart wanted to go to the uh, to the theme park, and I'm thinking of when Melhouse, the Poochie episode when Melhouse was like, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? I'm getting two episodes mixed up. <laughs> We've gone total box factory on this one. Okay. We've, total box factory. Um, I need to... <laughs> I need to be done with this. I can't, I can't text you things in the middle of the episode anymore. <laughs> You you were like you were like uh, you were like Jim Jim Jones Circus Town and I was like what the fuck is he talking about and then my brain just was like f- fell down this hole and now we're here uh, but you still recommend this album to oh, people absolutely like it's it's just as good it, and it's one of these magic albums that like the band does the one it, it, this is always interchangeable with me with the uh, shape of punk to come from the refused like just mm-hmm. everything before or after does not matter. Uh, and they do this one perfect album and it it is always timely and good and it always sounds like it's still a little bit in the future. Like this album yeah. still sounds like I don't know how you would make it now and I don't know how they made it then. Yeah, it's uh, like just just pro- production wise, like how does this album sound like this? Right. Like, I mean, you had plenty of clean albums back then, but they weren't like post-hardcore albums like they didn't they definitely did not sound like this back then yeah this this, um, this is also definitely not like recorded on tape this is definitely a digital album but like in that period before we got into like making all digital albums sound exactly the fucking same right uh yeah so there's there's the cleanness but there's still level levels to the volume and stuff and it yeah. there's no there's not like a tape hiss that we need to know it's real uh but right. but boy it just sounds it's 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 gigantic and good <laughs> Yes, uh, gigantic is definitely the word I would use to describe this because it kind of punches you in the stomach and then just drags you along for the rest. It's like it's like getting drunk immediately at a party, and then just like the rest of the album is like the rest of the party, and then like, and then it crashes it, about the same time you would too, <laughs> right? Uh, like I would say, I would say, invalid letter letter department is like when you when you're coming down from like being drunk at first, and then like Mannequin, uh, Mannequin Republic comes in and it's just like you're having more drinks. It's <laughs> like when you Mannequin Republic drinking, is the like, Jello shots, <laughs> right? It's just like I, I think I'm done drinking for the night, and then somebody's just like I bought heroin, <laughs> and you're just like I guess I'll do that. <laughs> I guess I'll drink heroin. Um, and that's how they tricked Iggy Pop into entering the studio. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Um, yeah, this album is really good. Um, like like you said, it's gigantic, and it's, it doesn't really fit in with any uh, sort of uh, classification that you... Like, there's a bunch of uh, classifications you could throw at it, but it doesn't... 
There's no it, genre here. <laughs> yeah, it's um, like when you hear Sparta, you can definitely hear. Oh, this is like uh, this is very emo. Like it's like it's very like this e- sort of emo indie rock uh, of the of the early two thousands feel to it. And when you hear Mars Volta, it's just like this is like a weird progressive like uh, uh like almost technical weird stuff going on and you you can kind of you can kind of pin that down somewhere um but then you put like the two of those together and it's just like this shouldn't work but it does and nothing else sounds like it and and it doesn't even really sound like the 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 interspersing of those two parts either this doesn't sound like rush meets the foo fighters uh right and 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 the, as and they they stray so far as soon as they split off like it, those first two albums are so close to what those individual things are but Sparta is the only rock band in history that just keeps getting softer the longer that they record music <laughs> and the Mars Volta just became noise uh or more noise or whatever yeah this is it's it's that thing that you're like you guys may have hated each other and couldn't function as a band but this is the best possible thing you could have made right yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful album. Ten out of ten. Um, so, Brock, what could, what, did, what have you been up to? Tell me, like, do you have any projects that you want to talk about on the show that we can talk about? I am at the Box Factory. We are all good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've got nothing else. Um, you can, I've, I mean, I've got other stuff you can check on my Twitter, but nothing currently in the works. I mean, this Buy album, this episode doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, you can you could do that, but I don't think this I might be done with the bake sale by the time the uh, this episode comes out mm. two weeks from now, maybe. No, no, I will not be done. Um, <laughs> it will almost be done. Um, but uh, yeah, um, you can you should follow our podcast on Twitter at Coolest Kids Pod and subscribe to us on iTunes. If you don't use iTunes, uh, it's on like you can just use the Libsyn link. Send that around to people. Share it with people. If you rate it, that's what really gives visibility to the show. Um, tell, your, tell your friends about it. Uh, tell all your friends, just like that Take Back Sunday album. Um, <laughs> Make uh, friends. You can, find me, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at The Black Nerd. You can find Brock on Twitter at Brock Wilbur. Uh, and I already plugged the other thing. Uh, you got anything else? Oh, I'm good. All right. Uh, next time we'll try to get away from the box factory and talk about an actual album uh, if not then uh, uh, get on a cot box factory time that's a new that's what a new, I what know. I don't I don't I appreciate your friendship <laughs> uh, so as always we're the coolest kids I don't uh, never before has that has that title made more sense. Uh, and we take what we can get. Bye. <laughs>